Concluding Dissertation, Section 144 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Concluding Dissertation, The Dogmatic Import of the Life of Jesus. Section 144, Necessary Transition from Criticism to Dogma. The results of the inquiry which we have now brought to a close have apparently annihilated the greatest and most valuable part of that which the Christian has been wont to believe concerning his Saviour Jesus, have uprooted all the animating motives which he has gathered from his faith, and withered all his consolations. The boundless store of truth and life which for eighteen centuries has been the aliment of humanity seems irretrievably dissipated the most sublime leveled with the dust god divested of his grace man of his dignity and the tie between heaven and earth broken piety turns away with horror from so fearful an act of desecration and strong in the impregnable self-evidence of its faith pronounces that let an audacious criticism attempt what it will all which the scriptures declare and the church believes of christ will still subsist as eternal truth nor needs one iota of it to be renounced thus at the conclusion of the criticism of the history of jesus there presents itself this problem to re-establish dogmatically that which has been destroyed critically at first glance this problem appears to exist merely as a challenge addressed by the believer to the critic not as a result of the moral requirements of either the believer would appear to need no re-establishment of the faith since for him it cannot be subverted by criticism the critic seems to require no such re-establishment since he is able to endure the annihilation resulting from his own labors. Hence, it might be supposed that the critic, when he seeks to rescue the dogma from the flames which his criticism has kindled, acts falsely in relation to his own point of view, since, to satisfy the believer, he treats what is valueless for himself as if he esteemed it to be a jewel while in relation to the believer he is undertaking a superfluous task in laboring to defend that which the latter considers in no way endangered but on a nearer view the case appears otherwise to all belief not built on demonstration doubt is inherent though it may not be developed the most firmly believing christian has within him the elements of criticism as a latent deposit of unbelief or rather as a negative germ of knowledge and only by its constant repression can he maintain the predominance of his faith which is thus essentially a re-established faith and just as the believer is intrinsically a skeptic or critic so on the other hand the critic is intrinsically a believer in proportion as he is distinguished from the naturalistic theologian and the free thinker in proportion as his criticism is conceived in the spirit of the nineteenth century 
he is filled with veneration for every religion and especially for the substance of the sublimest of all religions the christian which he perceives to be identical with the deepest philosophical truth and hence after having in the course of his criticism exhibited only the differences between his conviction and the historical belief of the christian he will feel urged to place that identity in a just light further our criticism though in its progress it treats of details yet on becoming part of our internal conviction resolves itself into the simple element of doubt which the believer neutralizes by an equally simple veto and then spreads anew in undiminished luxuriance all the fullness of his creed but hereby the decisions of criticism are only dismissed not vanquished and that which is believed is supported by no intermediate proof but rests absolutely on its own evidence criticism cannot but direct itself against this absence of intermediate proof and thus the controversy which seemed ended is renewed and we are thrown back to the beginning of our inquiry yet with a difference which constitutes a step forward in the discussion hitherto our criticism had for its object the data of christianity as historically presented in the evangelical records now these data having been called in question in their historical form assume that of a mental product and find a refuge in the soul of the believer where they exist not as a simple history but as a reflected history that is a confession of faith a received dogma against this dogma presenting itself totally unsupported by evidence criticism must indeed awake as it does against all deficiency of proof in the character of a negativing power and a contender for intermediate proof it will however no longer be occupied with history but with doctrines thus our historical criticism is followed up by dogmatical criticism and it is only after the faith has passed through both these trials that it is thoroughly tested and constituted science this second process through which the faith has to pass ought like the first to be made the subject of a distinct work i shall here merely give a sketch of its most important features that i may not terminate an historical criticism without pointing out its ultimate object which can only be arrived at by dogmatical criticism as a sequel end of section 144